Hey everybody, and welcome to the Two Cents Footy Podcast with Jeff and JP, and we're on episode number 10. You're going to realise that we don't have uh, John here in part one, but he's going to magically appear like Aladdin after Pep Guardiola's rubbed his little genie. He's going to appear in part two. So, uh, yeah, we're covering part one, myself and JP. We hope you've all had an amazing week. Loving the Arctic tundra conditions that we have in the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Uh, I'm wearing several layers of protective clothing from the snow and the ice. While JP is in his uh, vest, I nearly said something more sinister than that, but he... It's a Newcastle vest, cool. Glad you're uh, evolving your wear. Um, but yeah, JP, mate, um, how do you think, uh, what, what's been your verdict on, um, on initially on Chelsea City before we, we dive into it? Yeah, it was a bit of a ding-dong, wasn't it, of a game? <laughs> One of the games that, as a neutral, you just, you just love to watch. Plenty of action, plenty of goals, plenty of cards, plenty of chances created. It's what we all love. I would have forty pounds if I had a pound for every time you said plenty. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All out classic, a four-four bumper classic, as you as you've alluded to, and uh, in fact, it's the first Premier League match to feature four equalising goals since Liverpool and Arsenal's iconic four-four draw in two thousand and nine. Uh, yeah, complete hammer and tong, ding dong. Ali versus uh, who was it? Joe Joe uh, Fra- Joe Fraser. <laughs> I fluff that. Kate Abdo, eat your heart out. Good recovery. I, I nearly said Tyson Fury and and Mike. Mike. Yeah, I had a uh, Mike. Mike Tyson. Ali. Mike Ali. <laughs> Must admit, I had Tyson on the end of my tongue. <laughs> Mike Tyson Fury. Yeah covers all the bases, doesn't it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a quick summary of that game uh, as it was at the weekend. That uh, So, you know, Chelsea took the lead after 25 minutes uh, with Haaland putting away a penalty uh, after a foul by Cucarella, which sounds like a nice Nutella. Um, but, yeah, Thiago Silva, the age-old dog, 39-year-old, equalised with a really clean... Clinical header, um, and in fact, facts-wise, he's become the only the fourth player, age thirty-nine or above, to score after Teddy, Ryan Giggs, and Dean Windass, which is a uh, you know a new meaning for having a few nappies spare. Uh, Chelsea then recovered with, uh, I believe, yeah, Raheem Sterling with an assist from Rhys James. Um, then it was a equaliser from a Kanji. Uh, Haaland again to make it 3-2 um, and then Nicholas Jackson 3-3 Rodri 4-3 and then Cole of the Palmer 4-4 so uh, an incredible hammer and tong exciting and thrilling match uh, JP do you think City have made a huge error by selling 21 year old Cole Palmer <laughs> Yeah, good question. Um, I think 
if you're looking at it from a city point of view, you're probably thinking, yes, it probably is an error. However, I think from Carl Palmer's point of view, I think he's probably made the right move. Um, you know, he's getting game time week in, week out at Chelsea. That definitely wouldn't have been guaranteed at Manchester City with Grealish, Foden, Doku. Um, I mean, I think what I've read so far, I think Pep said, oh, by the way, um, uh, Mares is leaving so we get more game time. And he's still like, well, actually, I'm not sure I will. So he's decided to, to move on. And I, to be honest, I think it's a good decision for him. And I think it's paying dividends. Um, lots of confident, confidence. He's got ice in the veins, that kid, um, from the penalty spot. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's a great move for him. But, yeah, if, if you're a City fan, you're um, possibly questioning why you're sort of buying wingers when you've got that talent coming through your academy, right? Um, mm. Very similar to Phil Foden, another very, another very technical player. Um, and, yeah, he's got huge potential, I think. Huge potential, and it's funny. Me and John last week mentioned around when are oh, when are we going to see Cole Palmer in England shit? And a week later, there he is, got his call up. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe um, me and John can predict the future or something. Yeah, you two need to give me the lottery numbers while I'm dancing on a table in Marrakesh. <laughs> well, the Tanner Roads. Yeah, no, the good good prediction to be honest. Uh, he he really deserves it, and he's got this um, just insane strength and confidence, ability to shake off so many defenders of of his old of his old team, uh, and then also nail a penalty against a goalkeeper he's clearly faced ugh, thousands of times. Yeah, who knows in and out what he will do. I mean, did did Chelsea in tandem have have a defensive problem? So, see, losing to Brentford, um, you know, lucky to beat Spurs, a four four draw against City, and then a two two draw against Arsenal. I mean, do you think they should target? Who do you think they should target in the January transfer window? If you think they should. <laughs> oh, they spent so much money already. Um, it's what they're weird because at the start of the season they were they weren't conceding as much and they were sort of getting clean sheets, um, but they were struggling to score. Now they're almost the other way around where they're they're scoring goals, but they're also a little bit leaky at the back. Um, I don't know. I mean, you've obviously got Thiago Silva in there who who is. You know he's on his last legs, but um, I I don't know. I mean, this I would still say Jackson up front is an issue. Um, I mean, I know he scored again at the weekend, but again, I'd say it was fairly fortunate in terms of Edison's palm the ball back out to him, and he's I mean, fair play to him. He's in the right place, at the right time, and he and he's anticipating an error to be made. So you can't take that away from him, but um. Generally in front of goal, I've not been too impressed with him. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I think Chelsea is a hard one to say where they should spend more money because they've already spent so much, um, and even defenders in in the last window as well. What I would say is I think they're definitely a team in development. 
Um, and I think Pochettino is probably the right manager to get them to start playing. I do think this is going to be a turbulent season for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get some more of these kind of results from, from Chelsea. They've got bags of talent. Um, I think they just need moulding. And I'm pretty sure Poch will, will, will be able to do that. So, um, yeah, I think Chelsea fans just have to ride the wave, really. I think in the next season or two, they'll probably start to come good. Eventually, yeah. I mean, the amount of <clears throat> the amount of, as you said, the amount of spending that they've they've gone through is is literally insane. A thirty nine year old, as you mean, central defender, still <clears throat> it's quite at the risk, isn't it? Just like the agility, that even like hand eye coordination. <clears throat> Although he scored a worldie, as we said, it does put into question what's the long term strategy. <laughs> At Chelsea plus quite weak discipline. So, like you said, it seems like it's a long-term project. But yeah, this this eight-year contract thing, and if it doesn't work out well culturally, <clears throat> you know, how does this, how does Poch progress? Have the funds under financial fair play to to further build out the team? Like Chelsea's meant to have this immense academy, where's really the product of it? But yeah, Chelsea are, uh, what is it, 10th place on 16 points. So well off, you know, the top four. And um, although City are sort of still within striking distance, a bit wounded compared to what they were without good one Mares. Um, and obviously some of their bygone defenders who've been immense for them. You know, as we as we mentioned, even in the past, like Jao Cancelo. And I think the last key point for now is that City have some tough games coming up after the international break. So they've got Liverpool, I believe Spurs and Villa. Um, so this this is not uh, an easy walk in the park. Let me just double check I've said that correctly. But yeah, I think they've got some really tough fixtures coming up. Yeah, I think what's... I mean, what's good for the neutral is that City this year look like they're, you know, they're beatable. Um, they've already had a few, I guess, sort of slip-ups um, against Wolves, Chelsea, um, Arsenal um, so far this season. So I think as a neutral, I know generally these days we kind of predict Man City to walk the league. Um, and to be honest, they're, they're still obviously going to be you know, major favourites to do it again this this season. But I think it's been shown that, you know, this year they're potentially there for the taking. Um, you know, which is great for, for neutrals when you see results like this at the weekend, four four and teams actually having a go at them, they're scoring goals against them. So it's gonna play out to be a really interesting season, I think. And like you said, tough run of games coming up. So um yeah, who knows what might happen. Mm. In fact, I'm going to give you a tongue twister. So, Champions League, they have another game 13th of December away. Uh, I'm going to give this a go and see what, how you say it. So, Servena Fejda. So what? <laughs> in, in their group in the Champions League, they're obviously against Leipzig, young boys, and the fourth team at the third team in that. Table is a uh, Shavena Vejda. 
Make it go. It's better than the way Amy Carragher said it. <laughs> yeah, so they're in um they're in the Serbian league in Belgrade. So yeah, bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> yeah, definitely get tongue tied on that. <clears throat> exactly. I need a lozenger just to clear out my tongue. <laughs> so Chelsea City. Uh so that's the final part of this uh, section. So we're moving on to a quickfire round. Let's speed things up a bit. Uh, so JP, I'm going to go through, and for the benefit of the listeners, seven quickfire questions. Say what you think. Um, and then, um, yeah, we'll, like I guess, have a brief discussion over each one. Yep, yeah, sure. So who is going to finish fourth in the league this year? Um, Newcastle. Gosh, wow. So is your top four including Spurs? No. Wow, okay. <laughs> Ange Ball, more like uh, Ed Ball, Eddie. Ed Balls. Ed Balls. <laughs> Ed Balls. That's that's a name and a half. <laughs> Who is going to be the third team? Um the final team to be relegated? Oh, third team to be relegated. Um Sheffield United. Gosh, okay. So again, is is your three including Bournemouth? No, my um three are gonna would include Luton and Burnley. Wow. Captain Company down. Um, yeah. And Marvelous Nakamba. <laughs> yeah, definitely old Marvelous. I think Burnley I mean I get Vincent's got his own way of playing, but they don't seem to be learning their lessons from their opening games, I think they're going to continue to struggle if I'm being honest it's a shame he's such a likeable dude yeah, yeah. very likeable it's quite a strange one actually because I think before the season a lot of people predicted Burnley to be quite you know quite all right quite safe I actually think out of the three teams the one that probably stands the most chance of staying up is probably Sheffield United and I don't think they've particularly started great either to be honest but mm-hmm. um I think they're probably, I'm going to say, a bit more robust than Burnley and and Luton, although Marvellous is pretty robust in, in himself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sheffield have got some resilience about them and some determination about them, like from, from Paul Higginbotham. There's, yeah, they, they, they always seem to have a comeback, even though if they get, they get battered. So uh, next one. Where are Brighton going to finish? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, and I mean, the Newcastle. When I suggested Newcastle earlier with fourth, that's still also tricky because I think the likes of um, Bryson and, and Newcastle are actually starting to suffer with the quantity of games mm-hmm. they've got. So I'm I'm going to go Brighton eighth. That's where they are right now as we record. Yeah, I think, I mean, they obviously play really good football under um, the Zerbi, 
I think they're just starting to feel the effects of European football. I know they've got a bunch of injuries. I mean, they'll continue to play good football and get and pick up the odd good results, um, as you'd expect. I think, yeah, they'll just struggle a little bit. So I'm going to go eighth. Solid submission. In that similar vein, Villa. Where do you reckon Aston Villa will end up? I'm going to go seventh. Okay, so our mates, former team, and then as soon as Villa started doing badly, switched to Brighton. And now Brighton on some kind of a, a stagnation, he'll probably switch back. Subtle dig, John, because I've not spoke to you in a while. On the podcast, at least. That's <laughs> what uh, I mate. Um, okay, that seems fair. They've got such a good home record under uh, Unai Emery. It just seemed to grind out the results at home. Uh, top goal scorer. Um, for me, it's going to be Haaland again. Okay, so he's on 13 at the moment, closely followed by Salah, and then West Ham's Bowen, who's on 13. Do you think he's hit a bit of a stagnation point? Well, uh, Bowen or? Or Haaland. Oh, <laughs> oh definitely not. Definitely oh, not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if this is a stagnation, then, then Blimenek, we're all... We're all um, <laughs> definitely, definitely feeling by the weather. Uh, the next one is who will end up having the most assists at the end of the season? Oh, you know what? If if he was still fit, I would have said James Madison. I would have gone for James Madison. I think. Um, yeah. Oh, tricky, tricky, tricky. Um. It, uh, I mean, I know Trippier's. He's he's up there. Um, I'm gonna go with James Ward-Prowse. Um, he's playing solid for West Ham. Uh, I think he's very, very unlucky not to be called up again in the England squad. Up again. <laughs> yeah, I, and so yeah, he's just an assist masterclass. Um, especially with De Bruyne still not back for City. So yeah, mm. I go for JWP. JWP. Not JP. <laughs> the notorious JYP, JWPC. Butchering it again. <laughs> Mr. Abdo. Uh, and then the last one. Do you think Everton's ground will be ready by next season? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, reason being, construction's never done on time. So I'm just going to say no. <laughs> Lol on strike, mates. Great. Might need to get a, a couple of extra hands from Wayne Rooney himself or something like that, since he might be out of a job pretty soon, the way things are going at Birmingham. Oh, Wayne. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Oh, he's having a bit of a mare. Yeah, no superb um, predictions. We'll lock that in and we'll, we, we'll, we will re-review those end of the season. We'll ask John them next time round when we can all get together did you have any uh, the other way I do have a couple of quick fires for you Jeff to get you involved um, so I've got five minor sort of more evil raw kind of questions so multiple choice bar one <laughs> but um, yeah let's go Charlie Austin or Evan Ferguson 
in what context? Be whatever you like. <laughs> Having a burger? <laughs> uh, oh, it's a tricky one. Is Swindon on, on a decline right now? <laughs> yeah, Charlie Austin had an epic rant about VAR last week. Um, Devin Ferguson at the moment, yeah. Second question. Italy or France? Um, Holiday-wise Italy, football-wise Italy, <laughs> people-wise Italy, um, food-wise Italy, dessert-wise Italy, <laughs> jet-skiing and kayaking Italy. Um, Has France got anything going for them, Jeff? <laughs> it's just, it's like Somalia. No. <laughs> oh, I had a feeling you might say something like that. <laughs> Um, except Thierry Henry he's the best thing that's come out of there yeah true I'll give you that I'll give you that um, third question Haaland or Salah still going to be Haaland Salah's put on a defiant show still which means Liverpool is in in contention uh, but yeah just just the <laughs> the sheer brute force brutality fitness ability Ability to bully defenders has brought the Premier League onto another level. So, Harlan. Nice. Fourth question. Prediction for the Euro 2024 winner. Southgate, you're the one. <laughs> you still turn me on. Football's coming home again. You heard it here first on the Two Cents Footy podcast. <laughs> France, you are going down you're going down the toilet <laughs> yeah escargot final question arsenal or liverpool arsenal oh interesting interesting i think they will learn from the defeats and the disappointments last year of almost getting there across the line uh, and they'll be inbuilt resilience, even though they've they've had some patchy results. So we appreciated, but they've seemed to they will have um, a heavier tolerance for grinding out a result in the final fifteen minutes or the final twenty five minutes because VAR's adding on so much time. Yeah, to all these games. Um, yeah, more Reese Nelson moments, less um, boring results, and they. Yeah, I just think like it's Arteta's time to. To at least be Liverpool, let alone uh, the title, but we'll we'll be eagerly peeling our gaze upon what happens next. Nice, yeah, good points. Well, I I enjoyed that those quick fires, Jeff. We'll have to do that again. <laughs> yeah, it's good for my noggin, my little pistachio that's thinking behind my eyes. That's good. <laughs> Quick mental arithmetic. <laughs> yeah, quick fire round. That's cool. Awesome job. Uh, right, so that's the end of part one. Welcome. Uh, you'll be hearing from John and JP in part two. I will magically disappear. I'm going to pretend I'm going back to Marrakesh. Uh, I'm actually just on a on a on a on a course. <laughs> Nothing that exciting, but yeah, you'll hear me disappear. Um, enjoy part two.
Hi guys, welcome back. Uh, part two of the pod with JP and John. Uh, Jeff is no longer with us. He had a clashing schedule, much as I did for the first part of this. Um, John, how are things? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Done a bit of a Houdini act with um, Jeff and yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're the only consistent thing we have on this pod, I think. So uh, <laughs> we're lucky to have you. I think there is one other consistent thing we have, and that's Pine a Pine. So why don't we get started with that? Um, Sounds good. Obviously, been a crazy weekend of football, but give me your pie and give me your pint. So I'll start with my pie. I'm going to go a bit in the, I guess, the lower league, so in the championship rather than the premiership. And my pie, uh, pie for the week is going to be good old Wayne Rooney, who's now manager <laughs> of <laughs> for Birmingham City. Love and it. so Sunderland played them at the weekend. Um, happened to watch it. Um, we ended up coming winning 3-1, but I was quite astounded by how unorganised and how bad they were defensively. I think it's made probably even worse than the fact that they've got John O'Shea and Ashley Cole as their sort of assistant managers and coaches. And you think, you think of all three of them and the careers they've had and for a team to be so poor, especially defensively, is is crazy. So I'm going to give Wayne Rooney my pie just for that. I think, yeah, he's going to have to improve. And I think the fact that they've gone from sixth when they originally sat their manager now to 18th, and I think eight points off relegation is just is just craziness. I don't know what Birmingham are thinking. So yeah, Rooney, you're getting a pie from me. <laughs> yeah, there was something very strange about his appointment. The manager before him, name escapes me. Um, he was doing a very good job, obviously, as you said, they were in sixth. But I think before we start recording, you said that it's six games he's been in charge and he's picked up one point. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's got a proven track record as being quite a bad manager as well. So it's a very interesting one. Very deserving of the pie. Um, what about your pint? So my pint for the week is going to someone we've not really mentioned too much on the pod, but he is undoubtedly world-class and so for this week I'm going to give it to Mo Salah um, he got a double at the weekend kind of got a bit under the radar I think this this season but he's he's right up there in terms of banging the goals in as are Liverpool in terms of in the league and yeah I think he deserves a mention um, and so yeah I'm going to give him my pint Very deserved um, I don't think he will be taking the pint for religious reasons so that will be a, an asterisk with a pint of water but again yeah very well deserved he's um i think he's second in the goal scoring league of the premier league this season obviously behind harland and yeah definitely gone under the radar and i think we might have a listener's question to come back to on that subject so we'll hold that there for now how about yourself john who's your pie and who's your pie? um my pie is a little bit of a cop-out because unfortunately i'm going to give it to a team and it's it's going to be Spurs. Um, it's never nice losing in the last minute. It's even worse when you go into stoppage time in a winning position and obviously concede twice. I think it's more so the fact that you know they've gone through a few injury woes and they've you know had a bit of bad luck. They were unfortunate against Chelsea, but I mean one they're going into stoppage time against Wolves and they threw it away. Um, they have to get a pie for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I don't actually, I didn't take any 
joy in seeing it obviously is actually a real shame but it's just the most spursy thing as they say to see a team do um yeah, I'm quite got, for them. they got a bit of a taste for their own medicine for what they did to Sheffield United I guess <laughs> mm. yeah exactly um and obviously what they did to Liverpool a few weeks back as well they got a very yeah. very very late goal and a very controversial game but yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you do feel sorry for them in terms of all the injuries they've they've now got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've they've got a lot of people out through injury and through suspension. Um, I think they've now just said that um, Madison's coming out to the new year as well. Yeah, that's a big loss for them. He's had a great start to the season. We've mentioned it before, but yeah, it's not ideal. They will bounce back. Um, you know, it's, it's two games. Prior to that, they were undefeated and challenging for the top spot so still firmly up in those rounds but yeah unfortunate um pint pint for me this week i'm gonna give it to dominic solanke um oh interesting yeah it's not necessarily the performance although he did get the two goals but more about the the wider impact of those two goals um bournemouth getting a win at home to newcastle uh it's a big three points and you know it gets them a little bit of breathing space off of the bottom three um, I think it could be vital come into the season. Yeah. Um, so, Solanke's earned that point. I hope he's had many more to, or had many more to celebrate over the weekend after that. So, yeah, yeah he's one of those fine, players that point. had quite a um, big reputation because he was originally at Liverpool, wasn't he, Solanke? Yeah. And, I mean, it's Bournemouth are a team I tend to watch too closely, but you don't really hear too much about what he's doing either in terms of scoring goals and stuff. So, I mean, hopefully it's a bit of a, a booster for him. But, um, yeah, he's he's one of those players that I think he's got a bit of a point to prove. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, I, think, I think he scored against Brighton earlier in the season, Brighton versus Bournemouth. And it was one of those fleeting moments of quality where we were playing out from the back bad pass from um i think it was um the, the Bruggen at the time as well um lost it and it it fell to Slanky 20 25 yards out and on his left foot he just sort of chip finessed it kind of over him into the goal and you just think it's that sort of composure and that calmness if you you know as you said like he has this big reputation i think he had possibly quite a big future potentially ahead of him at one point or was deemed to if he was doing that sort of thing regularly then you know he, uh, who knows if he would be playing for maybe a slightly bigger club, but you know, it's, it's doesn't. I think he is still quite young, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think and I, yeah, and I sort of going back quite a few weeks here, but having watched that performance, I did sort of wonder why Bournemouth were struggling so much until I saw it all sort of fall apart. But it was one of those where their their wingers and their forwards were really are working quite well, causing a lot of havoc. No, they finally got you know a big win under their belt, and if they can kick on from that, then I think it it will sort of see their season become quite comfortable. So, yeah, yeah. well done that man, well done Bournemouth. Yeah, massive win, massive win. Um, so that's obviously the week just gone. Should we talk about some of the games that are coming up? So obviously, international break again. Yeah, our favourite, um, isn't it? The international break. <laughs> yes. And we've got doesn't another feel, one. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel like too long ago that we were saying goodbye to the last one, thankfully. And uh, and this one's back. Great. So, uh, no, there are some big games. I think this will be 
all of these will uh, have the culmination of the Euro qualifiers. Um, obviously, England in Group C, we've got two games this time round. We're playing on the 17th and the 20th. Uh, we are at home to Malta, I believe, and then away to North Macedonia. Yeah, so two arguably uh, straightforward games, would you say? Yeah, you'd hope so. I think Malta definitely should be. They're sort of at the bottom of the group, not picked up any points um, so far. So hopefully that remains that way. So you'd hope that'd be a fairly comfortable one. North Macedonia, I think, more recently have become a more... They always tend to be a quite a tricky side, especially away from home. So I'm expecting that to be quite a hostile, potentially a little bit more tricky, but you'd still expect us to have too much quality for them. So you'd hope that'd be two wins, um, to be honest. Um, I mean, I think the thing I'd like to see is, I guess, kind of similar to what happened in the last one in the in the first game we played, is Southgate actually maybe trying to bring in some of the players that aren't, regular first team starters um, and try and get them sort of ingrained in building that sort of team chemistry, getting that international experience. I mean, I think it's a shame the likes of sort of Lewis Dunk and Cole Will have had to pull out in terms of injury because I think they're two players you'd, you'd like to see starting both or not if or one of those games. Um, but yeah, I think it would be good to see a bit of rotation, I think, in these two games. I think I mean, you'd hope that we'd be quite comfortable in them, I think. So, yeah. yeah. No, I agree with all of that. Um, we're through. We've qualified. We've got nothing really to play for. We need a point, I think, to guarantee top of the league. So, as you say, it's a good chance for rotation. Uh, he's obviously brought in some youngsters with, you know, without a cap. So, he's got Rico Lewis. He's got uh, Cole Palmer. Uh, he's got Esri Comster coming in as well. So, you know, it would be good to see some of those players get a few minutes. Um, but you're right, it is a shame that some of the, I'm not going to say more experienced defenders, but you know the likes of Dunk and Cole having to pull out. Yeah, we've got Graham, we've got Maguire, who's actually you know been playing a little bit recently. Um, and obviously from a fallback perspective, we've got Trippier and Walker. But it would be good to see some of those younger players getting some minutes and you know the pressure's off so they can sort of state their case to be included in some of the upcoming international breaks ahead of the Euros and for the Euros itself, obviously. Um, yeah. yeah, I think no, no, in terms of um, what I'd quite like to see, I think maybe even for the, the North Macedonia game, is we've got Trent in there as a midfielder, as we've had a couple of times, but I think it'd be interesting to see him play in the North Macedonia game in a midfield role. And just to see how he holds up, I think the games he's been in there previously have been almost sort of like walkover games, almost like those Malta games. It might have actually been against Malta, the first leg that he played in midfield. And you'd you'd kind of expect him to dominate and ping those passes all over the place. So I think it'd actually be quite interesting to see him against North Macedonia. I think they'd put up more of a fight. Um, I mean, naturally, you'd like to see the likes of Cole Palmer and... Rico Lewis get some game time, but I'm pretty sure they're probably just there for the experience, I'd imagine, at this at this point. But um yeah, I think they're the three names that probably stick out for me at the moment. Yeah, no, you're you're right about Trent as well. And I think against Malta he scored quite a good goal, if I remember correctly. 
and obviously as you say it's a bit of a walkover situation so it'd be good to see how he fares up against a, a more threatening side North Macedonia would offer I think more of a challenge um, and yeah whether you know Rico Lewis and, um, and Cole Palmer do get any minutes or not is it's kind of neither here nor there but at the same time if you're going to call them up to the squad maybe giving them a few minutes isn't a bad thing but the experience of it and they can see how it all works a bit yeah, they've earned their right to be in that team. So, um, you know, we shall see. Good luck to them, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's, that's not all we've got from Group C, though. So we've got probably one of the biggest games of the qualifying so far. Ukraine versus Italy. In what's mm. potentially a winner-takes-all for the second spot in our group. Um, Ukraine currently sitting on 13 points, Italy on 10. Uh, Italy do have a game before... They play uh, before they play Ukraine. Ukraine obviously only have the one game in the, uh, in the upcoming break in the group. Um, who's going to qualify? If I was to put money on it, I don't know if I if this is kind of my heart saying this, but I, th- I think Italy will qualify. I just think it's, and I know they beat us in the Euros, and and Jeff will still have a a vendetta against them. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think it's it would be such a shame not to have Italy in another major tournament. Um, I'm sort of looking at their their squad for their two games. So interestingly enough, their first game is against Macedonia as well. And I believe Macedonia were one of the teams that knocked them out of qualifying for one of the major tournaments. I can't remember which one. So there's a bit of recent history there. So I mean, they're not. Two easy games for Italy. They've got Macedonia and Ukraine. But I'm looking at the their squads. It looks a bit more... Rec- I think there's more recognised names in there than I think we've seen in more recent ones. So you've got the likes of Federico Chiesa's back in there now, um, Locatelli, Giorginio, and obviously Donnarumma and stuff like that. So I'm looking at that and thinking... It's, it looks like a fairly beefed-up Italy squad compared to more recent times, so I'd kind of expect them to do it. However, it's definitely not a done deal. I think Ukraine, again, are obviously a very solid solid side. They they generally are. So it's it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. <laughs> it is going to be tight. Um, it's funny you say about going with your heart because I would love to see Ukraine do it. Um, obviously, politically and whatnot they've had a rough time over the last several years and whatnot but they they're the only team that's taken any points off of england in the qualifiers um they they could still do it i I think italy is still quite badly underperforming um you're right they you know their team or the players that have been called up do look a lot more beefed up than what they might have been previously but it's something since they beat us in the final of the Euros, what was it now? Three years ago now. Um, something hasn't quite clicked for them. And that's what's quite interesting that what is it that's missing? Because they've obviously had a top level manager, they have a you know, top few players. Uh, I think the fact that um Chiellini and um who's the other oh, uh, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> The fact that those two are no longer, you know, parts of the squad or you know really playing obviously have not quite retired but have you know they're aging 
you know, but they were such a uh, an integral part of that Italy squad for so many years. That's obviously a big, big change for them. But it does leave them susceptible obviously, to obviously to, to conceding and to losing. So I'd like to see Ukraine do it. Um, I'm not bitter about the Euro final. Um, <laughs> it would be just because it'd be a feel-good result, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But we shall see. Um, so, yeah, so that'll be the decider for Group C. That'll really be who comes. Well, it'll be the decider of who comes second in our group. Um, from a home nation perspective, Wales are still well within a shot of qualifying. Um, they've also got two games coming up over this international break away to Armenia and at home to Turkey. Um, two tough games. Mm. Um, yeah. They, I'm going to say, they, they need, uh, I think, at least four points it was. Um, can they do it? Yeah, I think, I think they, they definitely have the potential to do it. Um, yeah, you're right in terms of, I think they're both going to be tough games. If they're going to do it, they're going to need to beat Armenia, um, mm. who I think traditionally you'd probably say, oh, yeah, you'd beat Armenia. But based on their sort of points total and how they got on in this sort of campaign, they look like they're a tricky team to beat. So I think, I mean, I think Wales have the talent. I think they've got up-and-coming talent in the likes of Brennan Johnson. Um, I think he's their... He's their new man. I think who's going to, if anything's going to happen, it's going to go through him, and he's got loads of potential. And you got Rob Page in there, who's had experience of getting to major tournaments, so he knows how to get it done um, as well. So I would, I mean, you've got Croatia there as well. Um, there were two games in hand, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't bet against them not. Get picking up six points from those last two games, so yeah. it's it's going to be a tough ask. And I think that Turkey game could potentially be massive for Wales. Um, their only saving grace is that Turkey may have already qualified and might not be playing for anything. Um, but having yeah, said yeah. that, uh, there's I think a good chance that they sort of qualify based on their sort of Nations League results will go to a playoff based on their Nations League. So there's potentially a backup but I don't know fingers crossed to them fingers crossed to them it'll be another again yeah. another close one yeah no I, I, yeah, I'd like to see them do it um, obviously they had a great run back in 2016 in the Euros the semis um, arguably a stronger squad back then when they did achieve that but just looking at the table now I mean as you say joint points with Croatia but a better head-to-head -head record um, Croatia have got believe Armenia and well, Latvia and Armenia coming up so you'd think they're going to pick up six points um, but I think for you know, Wales need to be Armenia um, to start and then it comes down to obviously that Turkey game I it would be interesting to see what would happen if Wales win both of their games and Croatia win both of their games because then it leaves three teams on 16 points and then yeah, I don't know the head-to-head -head record between all of them, but that would be interesting to see how that would unfold. Yeah, that um, could actually be a really, really interesting last game of the of the group because you've potentially got Wales and 13, Croatia 13, Wales and Turkey then play each other on the final day. Yeah. That that could 
be very tasty. Yeah. <laughs> well, Croatia are also playing against Armenia, who by that point would be out. They would have lost. But similarly, if they do beat Wales, that will leave Wales and Armenia on 10, potentially Croatia on 13 points. Um, you know, anything could happen, I guess, at that point. So Group D, I think, will be the one to watch for the... Yep. Uh, I think that's where the drama drink. is. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where the drama is. Um, obviously, we just round off the home nations. Uh, Scotland are already through. Um, I think they, they're they probably going to end up in second place in their group, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Head-to-head um, um, head with Spain, so they've had a good, a good run, and obviously they're the first ones to qualify out of all the European sides. So, that, yeah, they've, they've done well. Um, yeah. Nice. It would be good for them to pip Spain, um, but yeah, you'd, you'd fancy Spain to, to do it. I think they've got fairly easy games. Spain coming in. Yeah, I think I saw that they were uh, at home. Just check that. At home to Georgia and away to Cyprus. Um, in in reverse order, how I just said it, but I mean that's that's six points. The team of Spain's mm-hmm. quality away to Cyprus who have got nil points so far and then at home to Georgia who yeah I don't think pose any real threat so Scotland on the other hand have got Norway um, and I believe they are away to Georgia themselves so I can see them beating Georgia home to Norway I think will be an interesting one um, as we discussed in the last uh, episode before last I think it was about Norway being a slightly underachieving team um, with some real talent, but good chance them to round off their campaign on a high and to maybe just um, you know leave with a win. Scotland has nothing to play for, so well, yeah. arguably nothing to play for unless Spain drop points. So do that, and then um, yeah, just rounding off the rest of the home nations, Northern Ireland, um, and I guess courtesy mentioned for Republic of Ireland as well, but. Not for the right reasons, obviously both out. So, yeah, we will leave that there to avoid upsetting any listeners. Um, but yeah, interesting break. Interesting break indeed. I think it will be um, it'll be interesting come Monday, um, Monday Tuesday when the uh, you know the real combination is happening. You can have some real head-to-head matches, um, yeah. and obviously you only got two teams currently with perfect results: uh, Portugal and, and France. So. See if both of those can keep it up till the end. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think you'd probably you'd probably expect them to, I think, as well. I'm not sure who France are playing. Um but I think Portugal's group is generally quite a or it looks a fairly easy group for a, a nation of Portugal standard. So Yeah. Yeah, it looks like we might have a couple of teams going into the Euros with a hundred percent qualification records. Unfortunately yeah. not for England this time, but no, unfortunately yeah. not. Um, France, France are at home to uh, Gibraltar. That's three oh, points. Yeah, yeah. Um, away to Greece, they will be an interesting one. Yeah, um, I think Greece have had a decent qualifying campaign, and I don't think by any means they are actually out yet. Um, no, they're tied with the Netherlands, but they've played a game extra. Um, right, so realistically, the Netherlands have to lose both of their games, um, and even then, they've got the head-to-head advantage on Greece. So, 
yeah, you'd you'd favour the Netherlands, I think, in that, wouldn't you? Yeah, the Netherlands would have to lose to Republic of Ireland, which you know that may or may not happen. But then lose to Gibraltar. I, I can't really see Gibraltar on zero points suddenly beating <laughs> France and Netherlands in their last two games. Yeah, um, <laughs> as much as we'd all love to see the underdogs suddenly beat two of the best teams in the world, but yeah, why not? <laughs> um, right, so that about rounds off the international break. Um, we'll close out with our usual listeners' questions. Yeah, lovely. Um, got a couple of those this week. Uh, we'll start with an aforementioned point around Liverpool and Mo Salah. How do you think the Liverpool will do this season? They seem to be flying under the radar slightly. Do you think they can claim their second title in the Premier League? Um, yeah, I think they've actually got a good chance. I actually going to say something that might be shocking to some listeners. I actually think they have a better chance to win the league than Arsenal do. Um, and you're right, they are um, sort of doing it under the radar. I think they had a bit of a a bit of a tough start in terms of they were getting sending offs. They had, I think, four sending offs um, within four or five games. I mean, I definitely didn't sort of pick up on actually they're still getting the results and they're still winning and they're only one point behind City. So they're mm. definitely, they're grinding out the results. I think in terms of their attack now seems to be gelling a bit more in terms of they've sort of now dealt with the fact they've lost Mane and, and Firmino and that and that Salah's now sort of back in form and Nunez is starting to chip in with goals and his performance is deemed to start seem to be improving a little bit. And then you've got Diaz on the left who's obviously come back from injury and he's just always looked a really, really good player and he's he's always a threat. And and you've obviously got Jota in there as well. So I think they're in a really strong position. And I think the fact that Klopp's won a league with Liverpool before, um, obviously Champions League and stuff, I think because of that experience, I would probably rate them as a higher chance of winning the league than Arsenal would at the moment. Um, But no, definitely, I think they're in with a great shot, to be honest. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair review. Um, They are definitely sort of quietly getting on with it, so to speak. Um, So it's interesting because they have had quite a a split season already so far and we're only, what, 12 games in. They uh, they obviously drew with uh, Luton last week. Um, Thanks to Luis Diaz, 95th and equaliser as well. Uh, They always had the result against Spurs where they were you know, a bit unfortunate to lose that. But then on the flip side, they have actually picked up points in, you know, several of their last few games. And they're sort of doing it in a way that no one's really, or no one has been talking about them. So it will be interesting to see how their season pans out. Um, you're right that I think Salah's head was turned in the summer with the idea of potentially going to the Saudi league for a, a very big money move. And obviously that didn't go to fruition. I didn't come to fruition. And now he's hitting a bit of form back in the purple patch. I think he's got 10 goals in the Premier League already this season. So he's um, he's really leading the front of the line well there. But the rest of the, the forwards are gelling. And I think it will be interesting to see how that happens. 
but your big point about them being, I think, in a better position or more likely to do it than Arsenal, um, I think, you know, let's double down on the controversy because I agree with that as well. <laughs> um, I think that Arsenal had a very good season last season and they've obviously bolstered that squad quite nicely with, you know, getting rife this season. Um, but I don't necessarily see them as being a, a sustained threat to the title yet. Um, yeah, I think probably links to kind of what we mentioned last week around the, the whole strike situation and not yeah. them not really having that proven outlet. Whereas I think Liverpool do have more of that when you've, yeah, I mean, Salah by herself can probably justify that. But yeah, their whole front three, four is, you know, it's top class within, within Premier League and it's proven, um, or a lot of them are proven. Whereas Arsenal. I mean, Saka's brilliant. Um, I think sometimes the rest of them in the Arsenal's front line can have an off patch or purple patch, like we've kind of mentioned. And I, th- I think, like we're saying with Havertz as well, doesn't really help the cause at the moment. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I think it's going to be interesting to see um, how it all pans out. And if, obviously, Liverpool can continue with the form that they've sort of been in a little bit and they can continue keeping the likes of Salah fit, then there's no reason that they can't do it. Mm. Um, if, if we're honest, or at least in my opinion, it's cities to lose. Um, it's always cities to lose at the moment. But, you know, they've, they've dropped a few points in, you know, in the last few games, which they don't do too often. So, now just need the other teams to start capitalising on that. And why not Liverpool? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So that's question one. Second question. Um, I had a conversation with someone and they mentioned about the longevity of footballers and how you've got a real sort of split between players that are you know, approaching 40 or getting past 40 and still playing at a top level. I mean, you've got others that are retiring younger. I think the examples we spoke about, obviously, Latan retiring quite recently in his early 40s, but up until then still playing for AC Milan, so top-level club. Um, you've got Thiago Silva still playing for Chelsea, still a big part of that team. He's 39. Ronaldo's top of the Saudi goal-scoring league. Yeah. Okay, yeah, make what you will of that, but he's still also getting them for Portugal and clearly still you know, a very, very fit and... Um, Athletic individual, uh, Messi obviously a few years younger, but still doing the same. On the flip side of that, you've had Hazard retiring quite young recently. Um, you mentioned Wayne Rooney. Um, you actually brought up a good fun fact before we started recording that Rooney's actually younger than Thiago Silva. Obviously, he's a manager and he's retired. Whereas Silva's still playing at, you know, at a very good level. Um, slightly different reasons, but Aguero having to retire young. You know, you, you've got this real mix to either side of it. Do you think that generally the the longevity of footballers is increasing, or do you think that there is um, there are more fixtures, and so there's more wear and tear on their body? So actually, it takes a lot more for them to be able to play, you know, into their late thirties and early forties, and in particular at those highest levels. Mm. Yeah, it's an in- interesting point, an interesting question. It's when I think about it, it's quite tricky to pinpoint. I what I'd probably say is I think 
if a player wants to be able to play at that high level for longer, I think the I guess the technology and the, the science behind the health and fitness and is probably improving, which gives players the the potential to keep on going a bit that little bit longer. And I think when I look at the likes of sort of Ronaldo, the Ronaldos, the Ibrahimoviches, I can imagine them wanting to look after their bodies and sort of being as fit as they can in in almost like peak condition for as long as long as possible. Um, and so I think if a player is in that mindset where they're looking, it's almost a bit of a, a sacrifice, I guess, or a massive commitment in terms of looking after their bodies in that way. But if they're if a player's got that mindset and they want to do it, I think there's no reason why they can't go on in, until until their forties and also at uh, at a top level. Um, but you did mention a good point around sort of the amount of games now in football, and. To be honest, that could well have been in terms of that sort of Wayne Rooney, sort of Sergio Aguero, um, Hazard. I think they're probably all players that probably did feel the effects of the amount of games and just how physically demanding it is playing that kind, that level of football and, and that amount of games. So it's it's a tough one. I think we'll probably see more players doing the things like Ronaldo and Ibrahimovic. I think I saw something the other day with Andros Townsend saying he's now starting to eat chicken feet to try and prolong his his career. Um, So, yeah, I think there's the potential. um, And I think we'll see more players do it. Um, But, yeah, hard to pinpoint, I think, in terms of whether it will be a more consistent theme. Yeah, I mean, you touched on two, I think, very interesting points there. Um, the amount of science and the quality of uh, sort of uh, rehabilitation and stuff that's now in football has obviously opened the doors massively for people to be at peak performance for arguably for longer. Um, sadly, for some players with injuries, that, that can't happen, but that's a very big thing. I think even as much as sort of 20 years ago, players weren't able to sort of or, or there wasn't as much um, interest around the science of the game. And people were probably, for the most part, just doing what they thought was best or just happy to be playing at the top level for a handful of years. You know, and you always had a few outliers to that. But in this day and age, I think the quality is so much higher. And obviously, the levels of fitness is much higher. The game, you've got all these high intensity press matches and um, press setups and stuff. It'll be interesting to see if that's sustainable for people over many, many years, but it's going to take its toll, which is the second point that, you know, for some players, they start so young. Um, If you are a teenager that breaks through into the first team of a big club, you are arguably playing for 20 years by the time you're 36 years old. Um, That's a long time to be playing, you know, 60, 70 games a season including international as well. Um, you could be approaching sort of 75 games a season. Um, in fact, more than that, but actually you've got the Nations League, you've got the um, qualifiers, you've got international friendlies and whatnot. So it could be close to sort of 80 games a season if you have obviously a good club that's doing well. So it will be one that we'll see, obviously, how it pans out. I think the trend over the last few years has sort of led, led its way to 
the players that do take it seriously, the Ronaldo's and Zlatan's obviously are maintaining their self well. But what's interesting is that there are players that are coming a bit unstuck, like Hazard, who I don't think he ever really wanted to train. I actually heard a story that um, apparently there was there's a burger van outside Chelsea and when he first joined, they actually had to say to the um, the owner that he wasn't allowed to be served because he would just go out wanting to eat. don't know if it's true or not. I don't know. It could be someone pulling my leg. But if that is true, it sort of shows that he was just such raw, natural talent. And that obviously takes you so far, but for so long. And that's where it obviously differs slightly. So, yeah. 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 It's an interesting one. I, I did think it was sort of, it's one that you, you'll always have players either side of it. Um, yeah, definitely. But I guess as a general rule of thumb, are we seeing players playing to later ages at higher levels? Well, on the one hand, yes, but also on the other hand, no, because you've got such good youngsters coming through the top leagues because they're yeah. fitter and, and they're quicker. So. Yeah, I guess one. another name that's probably going to, I imagine, sort of hit that sort of milestone is probably someone like James Milner as well. Yeah. And you think the amount of years he's been around the block <laughs> it's, and yeah. he's still one of the fittest players in the league, probably. Yeah, and he's an interesting one because he's got the um, the boring James Milner tag. And you think how much of that has sustained his career and how much of that is actually through, I guess. Like, if he is very much a relaxed, take care of your body, you know, enjoy a cup of tea instead of going out partying after winning a game, um, recovering properly. You know, he's he's been quite fortunate, I think, for the most part of injuries as well. But you're right, he's, he's you know, what, 20 years into his career or, or so, he's still fit as a fiddle. Um, so I think for the most part, it is doable. There's enough there's enough money and there's enough care about it in football now. Mm. Um, but how much of that comes from the players, I guess, is what's, what's important to say. So. Right. I think that rounds us off for the week. Yeah, it's been another good week. Has been another good week. Um, I want to say next week will be another good week, but it's the international break, so uh, it'll be another week. <laughs> been a pleasure as always. Um, yep. Good to see you and, and speak to you as always. Likewise, mate. Um, same time next week. Yeah, sounds good. Hopefully, we'll have the three of us <laughs> in the same the room. <laughs> yeah, we shall see. Um, just just as, as a disclaimer, Jeff and I haven't had a falling out or anything. It's just <laughs> poor planning on our, our other life schedules. So, yeah, hopefully by next week we'll be together again. But if not, you know, JP will be here. That much we can count on. <laughs> yeah, it might be a monologue next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'll certainly be listening to that. Right. Thanks, mate. Um, you have a good weekend. Speak to you soon. Bye. Speak to you soon. Bye.